history makers, people from history who have impacted the world for Jesus. And I'm finishing off our history makers week this week with a very well-known um, lady called Lillian Trasher. Put your hand up if you've ever heard of her. <laughs> Only because I spoke to her this week. <laughs> I've also never heard about Lillian Trasher until I got this book which is phenomenal and um, it's just been so inspiring to read about her life. I am not going to have time this morning to cover 75 years of someone's life in 20 minutes. Just to give you a bit of insight into preach prep there. 75 years of life into 20 minutes and make it creative. So we're going to go for it, but you might want to buy this book uh, and read the story for yourself. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal woman. And so let me tell you a little bit about Lillian Trasher. Um, the first thing I want to tell you is Lillian Trasher was actually a missionary in Egypt. She was the first woman to ever open an orphanage in Egypt. No orphanages existed before she opened the first ever orphanage next to the, the River Nile. And over a span of 50 years, she works in that orphanage serving widows and children. Over a span of 50 years, they, they think she served about 10,000 widows and orphans, which is just absolutely phenomenal. And she became known later in her life as the mother of the Nile. The mother of the Nile. And you know, God is really passionate about widows and orphans. Yeah. God is really passionate about widows and orphans. It says in Psalm 68, as it describes God, it, it, it describes them like this. He is the father to the fatherless, the defender of widows. This is God, whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. Wow. Isn't that amazing? God is passionate about orphans and widows. And the reality is, guys, that when we seek first God's kingdom and we prioritise what he prioritises, he rushes in to meet our needs. When we seek first God's kingdom and we prioritise what he prioritises, he rushes in to meet our needs and he has our backs. And Lillian experienced this over and over and over again for the 50 years of her service in Egypt. So I'm just going to pick out a few examples of what she experienced and what we can learn from her as we go forward. What's interesting is that Lillian didn't start out wanting to be a missionary in Egypt. Um, she had given her life to Jesus when she was 11. Kids, if you're 11, put your hand up. Any 11-year-olds? Any 11-year-old children? One at the back. So Lillian given, feels no 11, no. Um, she'd given her life to Jesus when she was 11, year old, 11 years old by kneeling down by a tree in a wood. And she said this prayer, Lord, I want to be your girl. If ever I can do anything for you, just let me know and I'll do it. And that was her little prayer of commitment at 11. But Lillian, interestingly, she had her life planned out. She decided what she wanted to do. She was a keen artist and she wanted to begin work for a newspaper company called the Georgian Newspaper as a sketch artist. And she wanted to go and do that as her living. And so when she was 17 years old only, um, she left home to travel to Atlanta to apply to be a sketch artist. But on her way to Atlanta, she had an encounter on the train that massively changed the trajectory of her life. She ended up sitting next to a lady called Mattie, let me get this right, Mattie Perry. And this lady was sat with a Bible open on her lap. And Lillian sat next to this lady and started a conversation with her. And Mattie 
uh, told Lillian that she ran an orphanage in North Carolina with a hundred children. And she said this, I run the orphanage, but the Lord supplies all our needs. And when, when, when Lillian asked her more questions about it, this is what she replied. It's simple really, I don't have time to go out and raise money while taking care of the needs of that many children. So we pray, and the Lord sends in money and provisions. He hasn't failed me yet. I don't have money to buy food for tomorrow night's supper, but it will come. It's about living by faith, child. There is no end to what you can do if you follow God's call and trust him to take care of the rest. That was from a conversation on the train, and Matty said to Lillian, I think you actually should come and work for me as an assistant. And she said, I think God has set you up, that we've sat next to, next to each other today because he wants you to come and work for me as an assistant. And Lillian was all very polite and said, oh, thank you, I'll think about it. But really, she had her own dream of what she wanted to do, and so she went and, and had this job interview for the newspaper. Anyway, through a series of God incidences, she doesn't end up getting the job. And uh, she thinks to herself, this must be God's way of shutting that door for me to do that thing. Maybe I should go and work in this orphanage after all. And eight days later, she turns up at the orphanage in North Carolina and starts serving with Matty in the orphanage. Incredible. Two, two things that God really spoke to me as I was reading this for us is this. Number one, God is a really good shepherd. He's a really excellent shepherd, and he's really good at getting you where he wants you to be. <laughs> he's really good at getting you where he wants you to be. You know, with Lillian, she had this trajectory of her life mapped out, but God had another plan, and he did a really good job at getting her there. Firstly, by sitting her next to someone on the train, on the train who was a random stranger, but God had orchestrated it. And then, with her not getting the job that she'd gone for, as the, the, the biggest story is that the guy actually did want to give her the job, but she didn't find out in time. By the time she came back, it had been given to someone else. So God orchestrated all of this to get her where he wanted her to be. And so I just want to say to us, we don't have to worry about missing what God has got for us. He's an excellent shepherd. And he will get you where he wants you to be. The second thing I really took away from this was, we mustn't underestimate the significance and the impact of random conversations that God sets us up with with strangers. We mustn't underestimate the potential impact. This conversation that Lillian had with Matty on the train as she was travelling ultimately impacted 10,000 widows and orphans over 50 years. Isn't that amazing? And as I was reading this, I was remembering, many of you might not know this, is when we first went out to, to, to see miracles on the street as a church family many years ago now, we set this goal, we want to see 30 miracles outside of the church. Our first ever breakthrough was on a train. A guy in our church sat next to a lady who complained of neck pain and he plucked up the courage to pray for her and she got healed and that was our first ever breakthrough. Lillian goes on the train, gets plumped next to this person which could easily have been you and me and her life has changed forever. Don't ever underestimate the conversations that God orchestrates for you because you just never know what God's going to do. And one of, the things, one of the main things that has struck me about reading Lillian's story is the amount of provision she receives from God and her incredible trust and faith in God's ability to provide. Sadly, it was often at the last minute. Anyone relate? I was, I was trying to get to the book and see, was there any time that he provided ahead of time? But often it was just in the nick of time, God provided again. 
but she proved God faithful as her provider. There were opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for God to provide for her because she had nothing. And every time God would provide and be faithful to her. I just want to share a couple of stories, but I need a couple of helpers. So I need two girls because you're going to be Lillian. So boys, I don't want you to have to try and be a girl. That'd be weird. So two, two girls, are you going to come up? Oh, oh, I was thinking of kids. I mean, Vicky, you can come if you like. You've got any needs. Any girls around the age of 10, 7, 8, 9, 10, who want to come up, just run up. Yeah, come on, come up the front. Yeah, go. Let's, let's come up here. Let's welcome these two girls. Very good. Well done. So you're both now Lillian, okay? And I'm just going to tell a couple of stories. What's your name? Oh, you got it wrong, Lillian, remember? Okay, good. Anya, who's acting as Lillian. What's your name? Good, Lillian, yeah, alright. So the first, the first story of breakthrough that Lillian experienced was, we could think it's a small thing, but she um, had no money to buy new shoes. And so her shoes had worn through completely. She had no money. And so she prayed and asked God, please would you bring me some shoes? Saying, please would you bring me some shoes? Brilliant. The next day at the orphanage in North Carolina, a provision box came through the door in a Sainsbury's carrier bag. <laughs> a provision box came through the door and look and see what's inside of that. When Lillian opened it up, she found... you pull them out? A pair of warm men's shoes. You can put those on. You go ahead and put those on and I'll carry on. And she assumed, well, this is God's provision, even though they're a little bit big and they were men's shoes and everyone mocked her, she was like, this is God's provision. And that was her first ever experience of God providing for her when she had nothing, uh, nothing to buy food with. How are you doing? She's doing good. Well done. Okay, once you put those on, you can go back to your seat. But be careful, I don't want you to fall. Alright, so that was her first, it was good actually, first ever experience of God providing. Well done. The second, the second story I want to tell you is while she was working with orphans at the um, orphanage in North Carolina, God spoke to her about being a missionary to Africa. And uh, she felt God very clearly say, You're going to be a missionary to Africa. And so she uh, through another a series of events that I don't have time to tell you, she actually ended up meeting a couple who were already missionaries in Egypt. And uh, she met with them and they found out what was in her heart and they invited her to come and be with them at their mission station in Egypt. But she didn't have the money to get there. She had $40, she needed $100, she only had $40. And what, but what she did, which I think was staggering, is she put a deposit down on a ticket for a particular date. And just assume that God is going to give me what I need. So she puts a deposit down for this ticket and she's still waiting for $40. And the day before she's meant to sail comes and she still hasn't got 40, the $60 that she needs. But then this happens. I'm going to read a story and Carol's going to be the random woman who pops up in a minute. But you can just act out what's going to happen here. It's going to be very easy. Okay, so she's waiting. It's the day before she's meant to be sailing and she's feeling pretty sick about the whole thing. This is what happens. You're in a house. You're not there yet. You guys ready? There's a knock on the door. Oh, you don't have to stand there. We're going to act it out. 
I'm, I'm sure the mission station will be absolutely fine with me bringing this baby back. We can care for this baby and look after her and bring her up, bring, bring her back from the brink of death. And so she took the baby with her back to the mission station and she cared for the baby. And she literally brought this baby back from the brink of death. But she was wrong about the mission station being happy about it. And two weeks after this happened, the leader of the mission station asked Lillian to come to her, to come to him, and he said this, the mission house is no place for a very sick baby. She cries all night and keeps us awake, and then we don't have the energy to go on with our regular missionary activities during the week. You will have to take her back. And Lillian felt totally stuck because there was nowhere she could take the baby back to. There was no family who wanted her, but the, the grandma who had been in the house wanted to throw the baby in the Nile, in the Nile River. There was no family who wanted her, and she couldn't keep the baby at the mission station, and there was no orphanage in Egypt. And so Lillian thought the only thing she can do is to start her own orphanage. And she went and she found a narrow three-story house, and she put down some rents on this three-story house, and she moved out with her sister who had gone with her to Egypt and so that she could take the baby and care for the baby in her new orphanage. After about three years, the orphanage had grown from one child to eight and the narrow three-story building was not big enough. It was too small already. And a plot of land, a half acre of land, became available next to the River Nile. And again, through incredible provision, miraculous provision, she got the $50 she needed to, um, to buy the land, but she had no, hardly any money left over to build anything. So she had this empty plot of land and, and a small amount of money left. But she reminded herself not to despise the day of small beginnings. And she thought, what can I do with the small stuff I have got left? And she had this brilliant idea. I can buy some, what are they called? Um, brick forms. I can buy some brick forms and then me and the orphans, we can make the bricks to actually build the building. And so she purchased these brick forms and then she would get the orphan boys to make the bricks and Ben is going to come and help me to demonstrate how such bricks were made. Come on Ben, let's welcome up Ben. So, what would have happened was, they probably had a container a little bit, looking a little bit different to this, but what, what Lillian would do is, she would fill, first of all, fill it with dirt from the land, and, and that's, got, that's got dirt in there, and then they would mix that with some straw. Put the straw in. Again, found in a Sainsbury's bag. And then they would add a secret ingredient that Ben doesn't need to know what it is um, to make it work properly mind you that, is that okay if that's in there as well? yeah and then they would mix it with water and then put some water in there yeah I reckon it's about that much and then the boys would get into the container and look on me and 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 mix it. Go for it. Just just it up, yeah. Mix it around, mix it around. And they would learn over time how much water to put in, a bit more, more in there. And they would just mix the thing. Once it had become 
mixed. It's a technical term for making bricks. Once it become mixed, they would take the mixture, put them in the molds of the bricks, and then bake them in the sun. And after a while, there were hundreds and hundreds of bricks baking in the sun, and Lillian was able to start to build her orphanage on, on the land. Right, lift your foot up. Let's thank Ben. Continued to come in, and she was able to keep the orphanage open 
this time what's amazing is that the children, is the, it was the prayers of the children that have caused the breakthrough and they, they prayed because of what they'd seen their mum do many, many times over. What a legacy she left. I'm just going to finish with this. Right at the end of this book, she's asked by a guy, she's almost, uh, she's in the end of her life, she's not very well, she's asked by a guy, what is the, what, what is the secret of your missionary success? She says this, there isn't any secret. I just stayed. I did not quit. I stayed with the work that God gave me to do. Isn't that amazing? What an incredible, incredible woman. So much for us to learn from her.